Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream on a sunny Wednesday here in the state of New Jersey. It's pretty warm and it's really nice out. And you get those days uh, in August, late August, early September. You start fluctuating between really, really hot days, uh, but the days are getting shorter. And then you start getting that breeze of the fall and the autumn and you start feeling, whoa, things are changing, seasons are changing. That's one of the most beautiful things about being in the Northeast is that we got all four seasons here represented. And the changing, people always say, well, what's your favorite season? Honestly, the changing of the seasons, right? I, I can't say I have, And but what is my favorite change? Definitely it's got to be, every for everybody, it's got to be from winter to spring. That's everyone's. But each change of season has a different massage to it it has a different feel to it so when it comes to you know the fall you feel like the summer was so intense the days are long like fedger sometimes you set your alarm at like 350 or something right and maghrib is at 8:30. the day is exhausting which is good and then when the fall comes in it's like brings certain things with it it brings school it brings you know for some people football season It brings different things with it, uh, the startup of classes again, and it brings a little bit of a, there's ease, you know, Fajr and Maghrib and Aisha, it gets easier, Fajr becomes much easier to get up in the morning um, and do that, you feel a little bit more rested, and it brings with it a beauty of uh, the changing colors of the leaves. Then you start getting into the winter time, and the winter time, to me, it's really the best when it's when it gets snowy right and to me the snow is is, is is to me is one of the greatest gifts from Allah it's to me it's art and Allah's art is not something on the wall it's something that you see right in front of you right it's such a beautiful thing and I pray I always pray every winter for a very snowy winter right snow with the good side of snow and not the bad side of it and You see this greater is this is art. This is greater than any human art that we could ever produce, right? When you just look out there and see, and sometimes there's a pond or a lake. You go out there and watch the snow coming around, coming down around a lake. It's like something you've never seen before. And wherever you are, when it's snowing, it's beautiful. It's such a gorgeous thing. And then all that thaws and you feel like you're a hibernating bear and it's a hassle to go out. And um, it's difficult to get out there and, and to just put on jackets and it's annoying. But then the spring comes around and all that. Now we're going back to the warmth. I find that far more attractive than simply the same season all the time, even if it was the best weather. Right. It's far more attractive to me. Today, we are honored and we hope that this interview will be a cause of... Um, Inshallah, all, all the live stream, we, we hope and pray that this live stream is always a cause for us to be forgiven of our sins and our transgressions against Allah and our lack of gratitude that seems, yeah, and we're always lacking gratitude. We, Allah gives us great ni'am and then we go and do acts of disobedience and we should be put our head down in, in, in tawbah for that. And we do good deeds and the best of good deeds is do sadaqah with your wealth. So human beings love wealth more than they love anything else that will love wealth, right? 
in general, of course, there are exceptions. So we hope that that is put in the scales of our deeds and Allah, uh, uh, absolves us of our sins. We do have affairs of the Ummah today as well. So let's take a look at the first affair of the Ummah. New rule. New York City mosques are allowed now to broadcast the Muslim call to prayer without a permit. Okay. New York Police Department rules. I don't know that the police department makes the rules. I thought like they have a Senate or something that makes the rules and that the police execute the rules, enforce the rules. But they now allow this. New York City allows a broadcast of Muslim call to prayer without a permit. What does that mean? With a mic or without a mic? I think without a mic was always allowed. Under the rule change, broadcast of the Adhan, okay, the chant is called in Arabic, she says, the author here, will be allowed every Friday from 1230 to 1.30. Oh, only once a week. Oh, okay. And every evening for Maghrib during the month of Ramadan. Okay. All right. We'll take it. For too long, there has been confusion about which communities are allowed to amplify their call to prayer, says Mayor Eric Adams. Okay. We're cutting red tape, he says, and saying clearly, if you are a mosque or a house of worship of any kind, you do not have to apply for a permit for the Friday prayer. So Salatul Jum'ah only. Okay. You are free to live your faith in New York City. The new policies take aim at Muslims whose numbers are expanding, both city and countrywide. Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world and North America, according to Pew. I, didn't I tell you everything that wants to be like a reliable, sound reliable, you put a nice little feather in your cap and you cite a Pew Research article, right? You, a statistic from Pew Research. The New York City metropolitan area is home to one of the largest concentrations of Muslim residents in the U.S., okay? According to a report earlier this year done by the CUNY, City of New York Graduate Center uh, for the New York City District Commissions. While the U.S. Census doesn't ask about religion, the report estimates that some 450,000 Muslims live in the city. With, why don't they ask about religion? Is that like offensive or something? I don't think I'm, I don't I wouldn't find that offensive. Okay, with the caveat that the number is very likely an overestimate, so there's less than far we maybe between a quarter and half a million of Muslims. But the thing is that it's a different community. It's a very different community. It's a very blue collar working class community. Okay, for the month of Ramadan this year, it ended in April. Minneapolis became the first major city to allow the event to be broadcast five times a day. NYPD Community Affairs Bureau and local Muslim leaders will work with mosques across the city to communicate the new rules and ensure that any speakers used to broadcast the prayer will be set to the proper volume. All right, so the city has a code, all right, in terms of, um, in terms of the volume that you're allowed to have. All right. Very interesting thing there. Let's go to another segment of Muslim news. All right. What, what is that? Um, hmm. Okay. What is the... Let's see here. There's another segment we have here. An article 
stating that the Quran burner from Stockholm, he's not even a Swede, okay? Salwan Momika. TikTok has banned him from making money off of his uh, Quran burning activity. Looks like maybe he's Iraqi or something. He's holding the Iraqi flag and he goes out there and desecrates. Well, I mean, the thing is, Allah has made their desecration something that we actually do. But their intent is to offend, of course. That's the difference. Okay. Says here that officials of TikTok confirm that the social media platform has turned off the gift feature for Stockholm Quran burner Salwan Momika. Momika is an Iraqi refugee who burned copies of the Quran in Sweden in a series of anti-Islam protests. He can no longer make money from the app's users, Radio Sweden reported. Speaking to the Swedish news agency, okay, okay, TT, Momika said his Quran burning videos get millions of views and he earns between $100 and $300 an hour when he live streams. And he says, he's unemployed. This is his only income. He's whining now and crying. Only income, what are you going to do with, uh, what, what, how long does he stream? Let's say he streams two hours a day. What are you going to do with $600 a day? I, mean, I guess he could pay rent if he does that. And he can eat something. All right. Officials of TikTok, uh, they continue saying that he burned copies of the Muslim holy book outside a mosque in, in Stockholm. All right. Offended hundreds of millions of Muslims. The Afton Bladet newspaper reported that Momika was sentenced to 80 hours of unpaid public work in order to pay $1,000 compensation for threatening an Eritrean asylum seeker with a knife while staying at an accommodation housing refugees in 2021. This guy's got issues then. Swedish-Danish politician Rasmus Paladin from the far-right group Hardline Party, that's what they're called, Stram Kurs, burned copies of the Quran in 2022. So Sweden and Denmark have faced a wide range of criticism for allowing the public desecration. By the way, Denmark has pulled off, pulled out. Denmark is out of this Quran burning thing. Okay. And so TikTok did not want to comment on why they turned it. Obviously, they turned off for obvious reasons. It's bothering people. All right. So let's now. So that was interesting. All right. That was very interesting. This uh, here that I'm going to talk to you about is not necessarily a um, Muslim news, but it is important. It's not news at all. I'm about to basically tell you about a book. Taiba Foundation has put out a great book on overcoming addiction. Many, 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 many Muslims have addictions. Okay. And... Okay, so Taiba Foundation, it's meant for education, educating inmates in prison. And we're having about to, ArcView is about to have a deal with Taiba Foundation. We have a deal with them. We're going to help uh, prolong their, look, when the inmates come out, 
that they'll be taking ArcView classes. And you as well could take ArcView classes by going to ArcView. Um, our website's still being in production, but you can sign up for classes eventually. Well, not do, don't go until I tell you. All right, this book, it's two parts. It's about how to overcome addiction from an Islamic lens. The basis of the book, the foundations arise from the Islamic concepts in the Quran, Hadith, and Islamic scholarship. So the first part takes into consideration the traditional 12-step program, because it's good. And we Muslims have no problem taking knowledge where the knowledge is, benef- is based upon life observation. You see the difference? There's a big difference between moralizing what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what happened in the past, like claims of evolution about the human being, a theory about what happened in the past, what's going to happen in the future, or how to live life in terms of morals, what's right and wrong to do. But that's very different from how to actually do, how to do something that's based solely on observation. No moral claims, just observation. Okay, And a lot of life advice, excellent life advice comes from a non-Muslim. No problem, no, non-Muslims. It doesn't make a difference, really. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَعْلَمُونَ ظَاهِرَ الْحَيَةِ الدُّنْيَا This is both, it's in the in immediate statement of the ayah, sounds like praise, and it's an affirmation that they know stuff. Okay? However, in context of the akhirah, if that's all you know, then that's really bad. And they're completely heedless about the akhirah. Well, you're living one place for eternity, and the other knowledge only has a benefit of about 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So, but Allah did affirm they have knowledge. They know. Okay? And when Allah says the word ilm, he means with certainty, so that people, they can be not uh, non-Muslim, and they will come up with amazing observations. So, And we as Muslims have no shame in taking it, and no shame in crediting it. Okay? So that's what he looked at. The first, the 12-step program, which is Christian-based, but I, I saw it. I found it excellent, to be honest with you. Now, the second part adds to it. Okay? It adds to it from spiritual and practical lessons from Islam. All right. So much of um, overcoming addiction is related. It's truly related to um, understanding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How we understand our creator. It's so important. You can't really... um, You can't overemphasize this. Next segment of Muslim news. This is just, you just want to laugh at this. France has gone out of control. Banning the Islamic abaya in schools. Calling them an attempt to convert others to Islam. Says a Western civilization that has now been taken over by the rainbow flag. And that's not an attempt to change people's minds. Anyway, France is to ban... Islamic garments known as abayas in schools starting September. The government announced this. That's what the government's doing with top official calling them a political attack and an attempt to convert people to Islam. 
In an interview on French TV, Education Minister Gabriel Attal said the ban aligned with laïcité, okay, France's hardline version of secularism, which prohibits outward signs of religion in schools. You're going to have a problem with Islam, folks. They will have a problem. Okay, so what happens if I go and buy a trench? If a sister goes and buy a trench coat, a black trench coat, like a Marilyn Manson. You guys know Marilyn Manson in your generation, Omar? You still know who, who he is? Yeah. But he was the one who made it popular to wear this black trench coat. So she goes and gets a black trench coat. He takes her brother's trench coat, puts it on. She goes to some um, regular fashion um, designer's website and buys a long jacket. What do we do? What do we call that? What do we call that then? Okay. And of course, critics call this a weaponized uh, target uh, to attack Muslims. Laïcité is not a constraint, but a type of freedom. The freedom to forge one's own opinion and emancipate oneself through school. Echoing language about Muslim women in France that has long been denounced as colonialist and paternalistic. Atal describes a long flowing garment as a religious gesture aimed at testing the resistance of the republic toward the secular sanctuary that school must constitute. You enter a classroom, you must not be able to identify the religion of the students by looking at them. Yeah, that's not going to be possible for Islam, I'm sorry. Government spokesman, but didn't they, did they, they ban hijab in schools, right? So, so now the abaya is next. Obviously, religious and political attack, a political sign, says Olivier Veron. Uh, he says the abaya, not the law, the abaya, is obviously a religious and a political attack. It's a political symbol. And that he deemed the wearing of it to be an act of proselytizing. How, listen, let's not forget who the French were. These people traveled to kill your forefathers. Traveled in a time where travel was very difficult and many people died on the way. To do what? To kill your forefathers. Our forefathers. So, is, should there be any surprise from these people? Now we went there. But that's the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To flood this country. Oh, okay, our soldiers couldn't get there. All right, our workers will get there. And they'll have many kids. And you will not be able to live a society without them. Okay? Atal said he would give clear rules at the national level to school heads. Look at what they're doing with their time, right? They're almost actually losing, like they're losing their cool. Okay, this is going to be a nationwide rule starting September the 4th. The so you didn't even give the people a couple of weeks to go get some other clothes? The move comes after months of debate over wearing abeys in French schools. Okay. But they've long been not allowed to wear the headscarf. But they now wear the abaya without the headscarf. Now no abaya at all. A March 2004 law banned the wearing of signs or outfits by which students ostensibly show religious affiliation in schools. That includes the large crosses, Jewish kippahs, and Islamic headscarves. Unlike headscarves, abayas occupied a gray area and had faced no outright ban. Next thing I guarantee you, they're going to mandate wearing shorts and leggings. Because... It's easy to get around. We can go to any designer website right now and just look up, like, spring jacket. And you'll find. Or what do they call them? Different tunics and stuff. Okay. The education ministry had already issued a circular on the issue in November. 
describing Abe as, as one of a group of items of clothes, clothing whose wearing could be banned. All right, so you guys now have a fiqh of clothing. We got to learn your fiqh now. You guys have your own fiqh. So you are as now detail-oriented. We need to classify the abaya. Explain to me how you're going to classify this. What's the had of abaya? abaya. What is the had jami'mana definition that encompasses all and and prohibits what it's not? Huh? Like is it made of silk? Yeah. What is it? What is what is what if it has a belt on it and a collar? Is it now a jacket? What if it's open and it has buttons that could be closed, could be open? Al qawl sharh for the abaya. So now that is what you secular people are now doing. Writing a fic book on kufr, essentially. And now we're on bab al-thiyab. Bab al-libas. The circular put bandanas and long skirts are in the same category. So if so a bandana, I guess, and a long skirt. So long skirts. Some Muslim girls in the southern French city of Marseille reportedly stopped going to school months ago because teachers were humiliating them over their abayas. It says they're not being official banned. In May, just just a reminder, the teachers. Who are the teachers? The great-great-granddaughters. You think at the dinner table these things weren't talked about for generations, Okay. Sitting with old grandpa on the rocking chair, right, when he's 90 years old. Uh, my grandfather went out there and Algeria did this, that, and the other, right? It's, it's being transmitted down the generations. That's how this stuff works. Marseille reported uh, uh, in May, high, high school students in the city protested what they saw as Islamophobic treatment of Muslim girls. And Obsessive rejection of Muslims. It's good to see your enemy obsessed. Right, the more they talk about Muslims, the more their problem increases. The more they not talk about Muslims, the more their problem increases. They're f- losing either way. At least one teachers' union leader, Bruno Babkowski, welcomed Atal's announcement. The instructions were not clear. Now they are, and we welcome it. Says Babkiewicz, general secretary of some organization that represented school principals across France. Eric Sioto, head of the opposition right-wing Republican Party, also welcomed the news. Called for a ban on Abayas. I called for it many times, he says. But Clementine Autain, Autain of the left-wing opposition, the unbowed party, denounced this policing of clothing. Atal's announcement was unconstitutional and against the founding principles of French's secular values. Okay. And symptomatic of an obsessive rejection of Muslims. Barely back from the summer break, she said, President Emmanuel Macron's administration was already trying to compete with far-right politician Marine Le Pen. The debate has intensified in France since a radicalized Chechen refugee beheaded teacher Samuel Paty, who had shown students the character of the Prophet Muhammad in his school in a Paris suburb. Okay. National body encompassing many Muslim associations has argued that items of clothing alone are not a religious sign. I'm going to look up right now. Name me a designer out there. Who is a woman's designer out there? I don't know. Uh, let's let's see. Uh, let's go to Karen Millen. Isn't she a woman's designer? Karen Millen, long mm, jacket, I'm going to call it. That looks like Abaya to me. I don't know how many Gen Sin's looking at it, right? That looks like Abaya to me. 
It's a, it's a, it's a very fashionable trench coat, essentially. But it's spring. It's light. And I don't know how they're going to police this. Okay. I don't think there's a head like possible for these things. There's not. There's no head there's possible. Like a, maybe a Russian, but like these people put themselves in a situation that cannot be enforced. You think that in Islam we have to wear the abaya? The Muslim woman has to wear the abaya from like um, hijabi plus fashion designer, or uh, you know, Muna's fashion design? No, I mean it doesn't make a difference what it is, as long as it covers. All right, so. Mark my word, within a few months, if the Muslims stick with this, they will form their own design, right? An alternate will step in, right? An alternate form will emerge. And it'll be completely from, like, secular clothes. But now it'll become known that Muslims will buy it and wear it. And guess what? The manufacturer might make it on purpose for Muslims because if he's selling, he's selling. All right? New in coats. KarenMillen.com. You can get this stuff. Look what they got us talking about. Uh, completely covered, head to toe, long jacket, and it could be leather. It could be patterned like quilt if it's cold. It could be wool. It could be cotton, all right? And it can have buttons. It could have flaps. Should, guess what? Anyone know French people out there? Let's donate for them. Let's let's get an organization to donate a bunch of long jackets that essentially cover the 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 same thing that Abe would have done, right? Like a hijab, like you could use a hoodie, right? Like, what's the difference? What? Tell me something. If I if I if I'm sick, can I wear a mask? And can I wear a hoodie? <laughs> so how is that different from niqab? See, you don't understand that we don't have to have a brand. What if it covers? It covers, right? So. If each, I'd like to do an experiment where these people go out there and just wear these jackets. And what if I want to wear a hood? What if I want to wear a turtleneck, a jacket, and a hood? Look at this premium utility linen, full coverage, head to toe, shoulders to 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 feet. Okay. Let's look up French fashion bands. Uh, fashion. Oh, they're talking to. It's, it's not going to. Hmm? Oh, Louis Vuitton. That's their big brand, right? Let's go to Louis Vuitton. Oh, There's an even better website. Leonce Chanel. Leonce Chanel. 30 affordable French clothing brands. Okay. Let's just go to the first one they mentioned. Cezanne.com. All right. And I'm going to click here. Long jacket. Long jacket women. Okay. Firstly, it's a very nice website. All black and white. Websites filled, okay, filled with long jackets that any Muslim can wear and nobody would know a difference, okay? How are we doing with our guest? Waalaikum salam, mashallah. Let's uh, get your camera on and, uh, and meet the sheikh. 
السلام عليكم كيف احوالكم شيخنا الحمد لله الحمد لله لحظه بس ن حضر الصوره نجهز الصوره ان شاء الله Now make sure our eyes are level. Hmm? Lift it, and even if there is some black underneath, it's okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Keep lifting. No, 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 not you, sir. <laughs> I'm talking to this uh, gentleman behind the camera here. Okay. Sorry about that, sir. Okay. That's perfect. That's good. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the Safina Saadi live stream, a nothing but facts live stream, Sheikh Samir al-Nas. Sheikh Samir is somebody who has has visited the United States often and is a teacher to some of our Uh, main main teachers, Sheikh Amin Muhammad, for example. Sheikh Samir, alhamdulillah, came to MBIC last year, and he regularly goes to places in Minnesota, in uh, Pennsylvania, and Maqasid, teaching hadith, teaching tafsir, teaching many different subjects. He was born in Asham, and he studied at the College of Medicine, University of Damascus. He then qualified his medical degree to the United States, in, in the United States for internal medicine. And then he studied under some of the biggest shiuch in Asham with Ijazat, in Ash-Shatibiyya, in Ad-Durra, with Sheikh Muhammad al-Sukkar, and, and has the Ijaz in the Ten Recitations from Egypt, Sheikh Ahmed Mustafa, um, the, the Egyptian Sheikh Ahmed Mustafa, and Sheikh Abdul Aziz al-Zayyat, Sheikh Samir also teaches Hanafi fiqh and is a stalwart scholar in, in, in fiqh and in aqidah. Sheikh Lutfi al-Fayyumi okay, is also one of his shiuch in the Hanafi school. Sheikh Adib al-Kallas. Uh, the Sheikh was honored okay, to study hadith in Mecca with the great Indonesian Mecca Yasin al-Fadani and Sheikh Nur al-Din Itr of Asham. Okay. He also has an ijazah in hadith from Sheikh Abdullah Siraj al-Din of Halab. Right? Sheikh Samir currently teaches in Ma'had al-Fath, Ma'had al-Fath al-Islami in Asham, teaching uh, al-Hidayah in Hanafi fiqh, and he also lectures on the ten uh, qira'at. Okay? Uh, the Sheikh teaches Quran, Tajweed, after Fajr daily in the Masjid of Sheikh ibn Arabi, okay? that uh, his Sheikh and his father-in-law uh, carried and, gave and passed down to him. That was the late Sheikh Muhammad Sukkar. Sheikh Samir has been teaching various Islamic uh, sciences uh, here in the United States and is, luckily, right, um, <clears throat> luckily, is on tour not so far from here in, in Albany, New York. So, Sheikh, welcome to the, to the live stream. And Thank you. I would like to ask you the first thing about what is the latest uh, teaching tour that you're, you're doing 
what are some of the cities that you've done and will continue to do in this tour? The, the, the latest study, you know, it was Bajet and Nafus, you know, written by Abdullah ibn Abi Jamra in Virginia. Abdullah ibn Abi Jamra, ibn Abi Jamra. And what, and what subject is it in? This is a summary, you know, of Bukhari Sharif, you know, and uh, he chose uh, certain hadith and he, he made a commentary on of them. Can you tell me something when you, you do these maqra'at and um, the maqra'a for those who are listening is something in which a work of hadith is read cover to cover with just minor commentary on what's called mushkil al-alfaz. Uh, terms that are maybe not well known. And so, so uh, the, this, the hadith and the, these majalis are very blessed. You were mentioning the Prophet ﷺ all day long, all day and all night, and they tend to be very long, like hours. And then uh, reading these hadith, and you could really, if you ever sat in one of them, you can really feel the sukun and the, of the majlis. But some people will say, Shaykh, what is the point of merely reading the hadith to somebody without sharh? What's the value? What would you say to such a critic? I, I say the, the, the barakah, you know, of reading a hadith is okay, you know, and and I have done this in, back in Syria, you know, in many majalis, you know, and uh, uh, I'm sorry to, to tell you that that's in Arabic language, most persons, they will not understand, you know, the Arabic language. Mm -hmm. So uh, there is a blessing to this, and that this is how the our hadith have been transmitted from person to person. Is there a direct chain in all of the famous nine books of hadith or, or ten books of hadith? I assume yes. And which ones do you specifically teach? Uh, all of them, you know. I have experience, you know, of uh, teaching, you know, all of them. All of them, mashallah. And usually when, if, if, how many hours a day do you do a maqra'a for? When you do one, how many hours do you do it for? Because you come for like two a week and you finish a different text, correct? Uh, the maqra'a the is different. It's for Quran, Kareem, you know, and when you have a foreigners, you know, back in Syria, you know, we have uh, uh, the, the number of teach, uh, uh, almost teach, you know, uh, or reach, uh, reach 100, you know. Uh, nowadays, it's roughly 50 percent. 50 percent persons in Syria. Yes. MashaAllah. And, and is the majlis just like an hour a day or, or are they long? It's longer than, than the, the, uh, an hour a day. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. And uh, when when you do the maqra'a for hadith, what is the equivalent of that for the Quran? Uh, usually for hadith, you know, and other things, you know, I get easy, you know, whereas in the, the Quran, I get tougher. Mm hmm. Uh, let me ask you something else. Uh, I remember being told that you also have majalis salah ala rasul in a sham. Can you talk to us about those? Basically, I don't have any majalis, you know. Uh, but in my my people, you know, among my people, you know, I increase the love of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, and uh, we will encourage those majalis.
Mashallah, mashallah. So in Hashem, in Damascus right now, if someone was in Damascus and inquired about majalis of Salah on the Prophet Sallallahu uh, are there any? Uh, th there is some, you know, I am sorry that uh, I, I don't have a direct, you know, experience with them. Okay, so you yourself do not lead one? Myself, you know, I don't lead, lead a public one. Oh, you, you just lead one that's private? Okay. Okay, mashallah. Now, you used to uh, work as a physician. Do you still balance between being a physician and teaching these ulum? I try so, you know, even though, you know, uh, to be thorough, you know, that internal medicine, you know, back in Syria, you know, it's not well known, you know, and I, I ended, you know, treating, you know, upper respiratory infection, you know, at some mm. problematic, you know, uh, case, you know. Uh, Damascus right now, is it something, is it a place that people can now go back to to visit and maybe even study at places like Ma'had al-Fatih? I think it's possible, you know, but but but, but the, the government, you know, established, you know, something for 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 foreigners. Oh, there is a foreigner. Uh, 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 is something institute. like a, uh, an institute with a special permit to study in that? And is it a solid institute? I haven't tried, you know, such a thing. Mm. And the when we look at the ulama isham, people say ulama isham. And um, uh, there is a, a uniformity in that you ulama isham tend, almost all of them are asha'ira and maturidiyya. Is that how did the ulama isham be able to have a type of, un, create a uniformity amongst them that there are, are more or less no scholars that go outside uh, of these madahib of Ahl Sunnah? This uh, Dr. Sheikh Amin, Amin uh, Swed, yani, in his book, you know, Tasheel al-Husul to Ilm al-Usul, he said that in our heart, you know, we are going to be Salafi, you know, but but uh, in in our talk, you know, we are to, going to be a Sha'ira of What did he mean by that? Yeah, and generally speaking, you know, uh, if there is no need, you know, and I have read, you know, for Salafi person, you know, and his student, you know, he imagined Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like a person. I I, I feel that there is a need, you know, for, for such a thing. So for, for such a correction. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so there is there is there is a need to, to rectify um, people's aqidah. And this is why ulama al-sham, they emphasize aqidah so much. Personally, you know, uh, because Sheikh Akbar, I have good relation with him, you know, and he did not encourage us to to teach Aqidah, you know, and some person, you know, uh, he told me, you know, that you should write, uh, recite Aqidah on Sheikh Adib Al-Kallas and Sheikh Adib Al-Kallas himself, you know, he said no usul. Oh, okay. So you're saying that uh, you, you, did you dislike excesses in Kalam, Ilm Al-Kalam? Yeah, my my experience will be, you know, because I have a, a, a lot of scientific students, you know, they studied, you know, Ilm al-Kalam, and 
they were incapable, you know, of doing such a thing, you know, with exception, you know, for, for Sheikh Adib Al-Kallas, that he was in, an expert, you know, in such a thing. Okay, and uh, in terms of the current status of da'wah in Hashem, so we always often talk about, talk about ulama Hashem. What about, is there a da'wah in Hashem that trickles down to the people, or is that illegal? Is it, is it allowed to go out to the people and have halaqat, or, or is that shut down? No, no, it's allowed, as far as, as I know. It's allowed. And uh, I, I, my experience in da'wah, you know, it's, it's going to be limited, you know, and uh, uh, I have few persons, you know, that they came to my uh, private, you know, uh, setting, you know, because of da'wah. Oh, mashallah, mashallah, very good. Now, uh, when you come to the United States, is there a set schedule that you come, or you just come whenever you have a break in the summers? No, no a schedule, you know. Generally speaking, you know, a schedule. So usually when the Ma'had al-Fatih is finished, then you swing by uh, and, and you come over to the United States. By the way, you know, I, I did not work, you know, in Ma'ad Fatah because they took me from Hidayah, you know, and, and uh, my, my surgery clinic, you know, it was upside down, you know, because of, of hours, you know, of spending, you know, with, with Ma'ad Fatah, that Qira'at, uh, you know. Okay, so you, you're focusing more mostly now on your medical clinic, not so much on Ma'ad Fatah. Yes, yes. Basically, you may say so. Okay. Now, can I ask, now, you're, how would you advise a young Muslim in Syria or America? We have the same problems. They have trouble with shahawat desires. They have trouble with um, focusing. Basically, the, the hmm. way I look at it, you know, that... Uh, uh, we have the non-Muslim, you know, became, you know, physically, you know, they are better than, than Muslim, you know, but but uh, our religion, you know, is spiritual besides this. Mm -hmm. What about, how, what is the best way that a Muslim can do li, um, uh, we can call kasr shahawat this was illustrated, you know, by Hippocratic, you know, in the time of the Prophet وسلم, when he said, you know, if uh, whatever, you know, Muhammad said, you know, is right, you know, we are much worse than the doctrines. I believe that uh, whatever, you know, Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, said, you know, is right, you know, and they are much worse than the donkeys, you know. The, mm -hmm. the problem with this, you know, we 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 have promises, you know, and uh, this is applied, you know, uh, for for physical thing, you know, when we when we observe them, you know. So, uh, Sheikh is saying their 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 dunya is far better, but yet they're on um, What about Atoba? If the Muslim, the Muslim, an yatub, ma huwa afdal amal? In my doors, you know, I like this hadith, the end, you know, of Arba'in Nawawiya, and Anas ibn Malik, Qala Qala, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Qala Qala Allah ta'ala ibn Adam, inna kama rajawtani wa da'awtani ghafartu laka ala ma kana minka wa la ubadi ibn Adam, law balaga zunubuka inana al-sama, thumma staghfartani ghafartu laka ibn Adam, 
لو لقي لو اتيتني بقراب الارض خطايا ثم لقيتني لا تشرك بي شيئا لاتيتك بقرابهم مغفره. سبحان الله. Sheikh uh, cited a hadith that is at the end of 40 Nawawi in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks and says, O son of Adam, if you meet me with a mountain of sins and you have no shirk with me and you worship me alone, then I meet you with a, th- with a mountain of forgiveness. Sheikh, hadithna bi hadith in akhir ata ala qalbik li nastafida minhu. Hadith li akhir ladhi ata ala qalbi you know that yudni allahu abdahu yawm al qiyamati fa yada'u alayka fa don't ask me you know because this is mutashabih you know and uh, he will say you you have done so and so and i kept it in secret you know in this life you know and i'm going to forgive you whereas the others you know the allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say said to them you know which is, has been illustrated in Surah Hud. Subhanallah. I, I said to Sheikh, bring us another hadith. Uh, and he said, he brings to mind the hadith. He said, there is a mutashabih in, uh, 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 image in it, but the hadith says Allah Ta'ala brings his abd close to him. And he veils him. And he discusses with him and said, my servant, you have done such and such and such and such. And I'll forgive you all your sins. And so he's forgiven without uh, publicizing his sins. Yet others have lied about their Lord and they don't get this uh, luxury or this um, benefit of uh, having their sins veiled and speaking directly to Allah. هل ممكن نأتي بحديث ثالث? I like the hadith, you know, that uh, make uh, make the relation you know between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their slaves you know is uh, beloved you know love you know of of that uh, particular person unfortunately many scholars you know they they do the opposite thing you know they hate uh, they make that the others hate you know uh, religion you know uh, because of the relation you know and th- th- there's one hadith you know speaking you know about the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who uh, make uh, the, the, the people love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. Uh, when 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 I studied, you know, these books, you know, I I, I did know that the personality of the Prophet وسلم, much more, you know, and he was attractive, you know, to all to all nations. Subhanallah, Subhanallah. Well, uh, do you read the Shema'ir of the Prophet as well in 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 your majalis? Personally, you know, it's not enough, you know. When I when I have open reading, you know, of that, you 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 enter to to know the the personality of the Prophet Sallallahu much more. Subhanallah, Shema'il al-Tirmidhi, and Shema'il al-Tirmidhi, I have done 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 it, you know, in in some occasions, you know, in UK and US and elsewhere, you know. Uh, but personally, I don't feel that you, you are not, not you are not going to know the personality of the Prophet except you know when you read these books, you know, namely Bukhari, Muslim, uh, Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, and Nasa. Subhanallah. Uh, uh, and do you read Muwatta? Uh, 
as well in your maqra'at? In my plan, you know, I haven't read, you know, but in my plan, you know, to, to read it, you know, for, for people, you know, asking Inshallah. it. Fadl al-Salati ala rasul alayhi salatu wassalam. Can you speak about Fadl al-Salati ala rasul Kadhikr. I had experience, you know, uh, on Friday, you know, I, 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 uh, just preserved my day, you know, for for salah ala Nabi sallallahu Besides eating, drinking, and no sleeping, you know, I felt sleepy. Subhanallah, Subhanallah. Uh, what about the fadl of Thursday night, Laylatul Jum'ah? Fadl al-Dua, ijabat al-Dua, Laylatul Jum'ah. I'm sorry, you know, I have no experience. Bes- uh, I believe in such a thing. Mm. We, what about uh, a hadith Yom al arbia between the Dhuhr and the Asr for the prayer? Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr. Special space, you know, in, in uh, Masjid al-Fatih and uh, uh, when I uh, was in Medina, you know, I tend to go to Masjid al-Fatih at that particular time. Yeah, so uh, Masjid al-Fatih in Medina, uh, Wednesdays yes. between Dhuhr and Asr. Yes. Uh, and Every place in the world can do it from their own home as well. Wednesdays between Dhuhr and Asr al-Dua. I, I assume so. So, uh, but uh, but uh, practically, you know, uh, I have done it. You know, when I, I was in Medina. Subhanallah. And uh, Dua Laylat al-Jum'ah, you, uh, the Dua of the night of Jum'ah, min al-Maghrib ila from Maghrib to Fajr, or only before Fajr. Imam Suyuti, he has summarized, you know, uh, you have uh, the four possibilities, you know, afternoon, you know, or from Maghrib or, or you name it. Okay, so it's open. It's wasa. No. Uh, what is the best deed that a person can do for that Allah Ta'ala to accept their dua? Uh, I encourage everyone, you know, to, to have Salat Hafz al-Quran and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he emphasized that uh, to toward the end, you know, of Friday night, you know, uh, but if you are incapable, you know, of doing such a thing, you know, you have it in the midnight, you know, or the beginning of the night, you know. And mm. he he gave tafsir, you know, of Sayyidina Yaqub that he, he prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that particular time. Sayyidina? Yaqub. Yaqub, Sheikhna. I don't want to keep you any longer, but Jazakallah khairan for coming on our stream. And I asked Sheikh for one last piece of advice for us in general. My my advice is going to be as long as we are alive, you know, we are limited, you know, to to command, you know, and prohibition, you know, whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is absolute. Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khairan, Shaykhna. Barakallahu fikum. Inshallah, naltaqi qariban, bidnillah. Okay, thank you. Barakallahu fikum. As-salamu alaykum. Alaykum as-salam. Okay, mashallah, we uh, are really uh, grateful that we were able to have Shaykh Samad with us. And um, uh, as you could see, Shaykh Samad, he... Is he's reading hadith nonstop, and was one of his things really that he has become known for his this contribution in the West. There's not a lot of 
what the, these maqras that are done in public. There are schools. There are there there are schools, colleges, Islamic colleges that have um, one final year in which they they read all the books, which is very blessed. But Sheikh Salman has been doing this for years now. And many people, honestly, they look at it, like, what are we doing? We're just reading the hadith. You don't actually um, you don't actually understand what's happening until you sit in one of these. You really don't. You don't understand what's happening until you sit in one of these and you enter into hour number two, hour number three, day number three. Hey, Omar, you just did it, right? Why don't you put your mic on and tell us a little bit? Salam, yes, so Alhamdulillah, I had the opportunity to yep. do a mak- uh, attend the maqra for Timridi mm-hmm. with uh, Sheikh Samir. And subhanAllah, like, we went from 9 to 6 p.m., 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Or he did come 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. See, that's why I asked about how long it is. 9 a.m. So, straight hadith, no breaks at all. Like, once he finishes the hadith, he reads the next one, next one, next one. No commentary. He gives slight commentary, like you mentioned, like any uh, difficult terms. Al-Fad, you know, he'll just, like, clarify them. Uh, But he did come late. And subhanAllah, I remember after we finished, uh, I spoke to Ahmed. I was with Ahmed Ali. Uh, Sheikh Imran was there, and a couple other brothers were there. And he said it felt like two or three hours. It was probably like eight hours straight, and just hadith, hadith. We went through like 400 probably hadith. Yeah. It felt like two hours. Did Now, what about non-Arabic speakers? Oh, raise your volume a little yeah, bit. It's, it's up. In the uh, road, it's up? Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, the uh. mic is kind of... Uh, uh, what about the... Um, uh, non-Arabic speakers did they read from a translation so while he reads the Arabic? They had the slideshow on top of the like next to the Sheikh, and so they had all the translations for each hadith, and they would just. I see. So they had a, a screen up, and did they have? Uh, was it from a website? Yeah, it was from a website. Like that website, hadith.com or something. It was like, no, so it was like a it was a Sadifi website. Yeah. But um, like I could tell because the Darul Salam gra- uh, or yeah. Albani gradings on the bottom left. Yeah. But that wasn't the point. The point was the translation. Yeah. So they had the translations, they went through them, and then he would just read in Arabic. I don't know who put together, but there was an amazing, there, there's this amazing website that has the main major books of Hadith. All there were English and Arabic. It's an amazing service, whoever did that. And it was crazy, like, uh, you know, he's such a big sheikh, and everyone was waiting for him. Walks in, right, he doesn't even sit down, he starts reading. SubhanAllah. The first thing he does. He walks right in, starts reading. SubhanAllah. Starts reading. SubhanAllah. Amazing, and that's how um, you know we hope to. That's how you live. Constantly between different amal al khair, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said in uh, hadith that's mentioned in Nawawi that the things that the khair is are so many. It's like non every there are different facets of different deeds, and khair for us in Islam is not just about. Uh, it's not just about so called good deeds, right? These good deeds bring them with them nourishment, spiritual nourishment. Subhanallah. No question, actually. Yeah. Are you going to finish this? No, I was just going to say that uh, Sheikh Yaqubi was the first one I did this with. And he was intense. Like, you can't even move. He was intense. But we would do it in the Hounslow Masjid. And it would start, it would be like maybe Friday after, a little bit after Jummah. And then he'd have, there would be a melod at the end. Or like a, a dhikr session at then. Then Saturday, all day. And then at the end again, some dinner and some majadis. Then Sunday, same thing. When you left, you felt like you're walking on air. And you didn't want to leave. And and the train ride back, the tube station ride back from way the blue line, whatever it's called, Hounslow, all the way back to Kilburn. It was one of the most depressing train rides, right? 
Subhanallah. You never want to leave. And Sheikh Yaqubi did that at at uh, the Hounslow Masjid. He turned that place into a place filled with malaika and filled with, um, uh, you know, this the the light uh, of of this knowledge. You, you're gonna say. So, like, I had a question because uh, Sheikh Samir, like, during when you guys were speaking, mm-hmm. he mentioned that Sheikh Al Akbar, right? Like, uh, Ibn Arabi. Was, was he talking about Ibn Arabi? Because mm-hmm. uh, he mentioned like he knows him. Right? Yeah, subhanallah. Subhanallah. And subhanallah. we were talking about this like uh, before yeah. as well on a car ride. Yeah. How, like he knows Sheikh Ibn Arabi. And Ibn Arabi doesn't like Ilm al Kalam. He never liked Ilm al Kalam. It's crazy. Yeah. He didn't like it sort of on the opposite side of why Salafis didn't like it, right? Yeah. He didn't like it not because he disagreed with the concept of Tenzi, but he felt that it's using the intellect and not the heart. And that's what you always come upon with people who are quote, what they call Akbarian or. Um, they read Ibn Arabi But yet, yet at the same time Some ulama al-Sham Read both simultaneously Like Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Shaghuri If I'm not mistaken He would read The heavy duty works of Kalam And then he would read The works of Ibn Arabi At the same time um, uh, From the What I Who was I was around most Which is The ulama of al-Maghrib Plus Egypt Plus Yemen They don't read Ibn Arabi much yeah. Is mainly the Shawam who who are heavyweight Ibn Arabi, and also in the subcontinent they have a lot of emphasis on Ibn Arabi. So when like you know like how he mentions that he knows Sheikh Ibn Arabi, yeah, and like you know similar statements to that, you want to talk more about that? Like exactly what does that mean? And like yeah, going into that, like do you want to talk more about that, please? Yeah. Um, see, the thing is that some of the people they constantly have visions of Shiuch of the past. To the point that it's those visions become stronger almost than actual reality. And hen- why? Because the souls of the uh, departed, they never lie. They only speak the truth. And they never change, right? And, and sometimes that becomes more vivid and more... Um, uh, more vivid and more impactful than even uh, in-person meetings. And yet at the same time, um, simultaneously to that, it's true. We consider them true. We don't consider them symbols, right? The sheikh that you see a person in a dream is not a symbol. It's actual, something that Allah allowed to happen, okay? And so that's what, what one of the possible meanings is and understandings when a sheikh says that he has a connection with someone who has parted. That's one of the symbols. And there were, there was, um, I need to actually read his biography. He was a scholar from, where was he from? I believe he was Moroccan. He moved to the East about 200 years ago. East being Egypt, Sudan, Medina. And he said that he began his path like anybody else, teaching Arabic, teaching fiqh, teaching hadith, teaching aqidah. Then he began focusing on Salah on the Prophet in his extra time. And he would do Salah on the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then he would see the Prophet in his sleep. Then he would see the Prophet when he dozed, nods off. This is called a sinna. Let's akhuduhu sinatun wa la nawm. A nawm is sleep. A sinna is when your head nods off. That's even more powerful because you don't need to be fully out. Right? Your, facu- your, your soul doesn't need full freedom from the body anymore. To see the Messenger And then he said finally I began to see the Prophet In the wakeful state And there is a hadith That is sahih 
من رآني في المنام فسيراني في اليقظة Whoever sees me in sleep will see me in the wake Why? Because the seeing is of the heart anyway And sometimes the faculties of the body and the external They veil over the inner eye They suppress the inner eye So hence people would only have a spiritual experience Either when they've been cut off from people for for a long time Okay, when they've been away from people for a long time, or when they're in a, when they're asleep. But then they're if they get stronger, then they will have these same visions with light sleep and lighter sleep and lighter sleep. Then they won't need to be asleep at all, and that is what's known as the vision while awake. Okay, and it is no different. And who explains this? Imam Al Ghazali in his book Kimya Usad. He explains it. He said that it, it it is a sign of strength, but in in essence, the vision is the vision. It's the same as a ruya. Except that you don't need to be asleep to have it. Okay. And when someone sees that, while he's awake, it doesn't mean anyone else could see it. He's the only one who sees it. Okay. So, having spoken of that, it doesn't really seem... Um, it doesn't... Uh, okay. Really seem fitting for us to go back to some of the affairs of the Ummah. You know, like um, that we were covering before that we wanted to cover. Let's now turn to um, the Q and A session. We can open that up and see where that takes us. Bismillah. Okay. Beautiful thumbnail. Thumbnail again there. By our main man and our team here. Yep. Okay. In which Mukhtasar is it mentioned that Delk is not Fard? No, Delk is Fard in the Maliki Madhab. Can you explain the hadith which speaks about women being deficient in Aql and Deen? Well, the Prophet himself explained it. He said that as witnesses, right, and in Salah, that's the deficiency. Right, as witnesses, that they would, if they are affected, the 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 commentary on that is that at, as witnesses of crimes, they would ha- could be affected by the notion of someone about to get executed or killed or uh, uh, had punishment on them. They become so affected by that that it would be a cause of forgetfulness. Hence, the Quran says, "So what one can remind the other." Okay, and hence requiring two witnesses. Right, and on top of that, it's almost like a discouragement of witnessing, so that they don't have to be somebody who uh, is the reason that someone lost their life. Not only that person lost their life, someone lost a dad. Uh, uh, someone lost uh, a girl may have lost a father for that. So that may affect someone so much, may affect a woman so much that it would cause forgetfulness. And Allah knows best, but that's what they say. Okay, and the Prophet Sallallahu said, uh, half the time she doesn't pray, meaning maximum half the time. The haid menstruation is maximum up to 15 days in terms of the bleeding. Haid is not just menstruation in Sharia, haid is uh, bleeding, vaginal bleeding. And hence, some th- there could be vaginal bleeding uh, outside of when it's possible to be haid, such as pregnancy. But the Sharia cons- calls that haid. 
Can negative dreams be warnings? Yes. In other words, a person can have a dream that something terrible befell them. That is a warning. If you continue this action, this is the result. So it's, it's a warning sign, like a warning sign in a road. Okay. And a deficiency in one aspect doesn't necess- necessitate strength in, an o- in another aspect. So we don't really hold that males and females are the same. That's not. They're not the same. And individuals themselves aren't the same. Islam is not like me. Uh, Almud is not like Islam. All right? <laughs> individuals aren't the same. So if the individual units within males and within females are not the same, how then can we then say that the genders are the same? They're not the same. I mean, anyone who has two eyes knows that they're not the same. And so... Uh, there could be one is has a deficiency in one aspect, and this actually doesn't. So this hadith, as a generality, does not apply to individuals. There could be a a, a, a woman who is smarter than a guy, right? If that wasn't the case, you would never have a woman as the boss and a man as the employee, right? When it happens all the time in the world, right? You can have a man who has no taqwa and a woman who has ten times as much taqwa. So it's saying, in general, because of the law and the practice, that's what the prophet was spoken about. Because they asked him, what did you mean by this, O Messenger? He said, in testimony and in salah. That's it. Right? So it's not a specific thing that every single woman will be deficient in her intellect as everything men. No. Nor in deen. So. Can you... Um, private messaging a female for professional reasons. Is it khalwa? No, it would not be considered khalwa, but it's always better to have a third person on those chats. Okay. Uh, spirituality. How is it developed? Visions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Spirituality. Let me just tell you in general. Spirituality is developed by having a time of isolation every day in which really takes a bit of time because the first few minutes is just the settling of all the thoughts of the day. So when you begin your personal, little personal khalwa, which is not going to be long, it shouldn't, you can, to be practical, it's not going to be long. The first, you don't just leave and then go into it. There has to be a buffer. That buffer, all you do is just sit and let the thoughts of the day settle in your mind. And that may take you five, ten minutes. Just let the thoughts of the day settle. That's that solitude. Then you may proceed, right, to be, and you'll be able to focus. You'll be proceed on your remembrance. Whatsoever, whatever it is, Quran. So that there must be a barzakh. And if you notice, Allah creates that. Barzakh just means a, a barrier. Right or a, a inner space. When you walk into a mall in the summertime, they don't. The mall never in the summer or winter when the heat or the AC is on, and the temperatures are different inside and outside. In order to preserve the insta- internal temperature, they never put the door solely a door between the mall and, and the and the and the street and the sidewalk. They put a barrier like this so that you open the door, okay? By the time you enter this, you open the second door, the first door has closed. 
So the temperature in that middle area, which is usually maybe five feet, 10 feet maximum, some maybe 15 feet, okay? That temperature is the adjustment to preserve the heat in the wintertime inside and the air conditioning in the summertime inside. Well, we need this for everything, okay? We need this for everything. And you can't be extremely busy and, and your mind's got a thousand things on it, then suddenly jump into remembrance of Allah. And it doesn't work like this. So let's think about Salah. When Allah calls us to Salah, He mandated an Adhan. The Adhan goes off. Only Salat al-Maghrib is Adhan Iqama right away. Every other Salah is Adhan. Ten minutes maybe. Five, ten minutes. Iqama. By that time, it's entered your mind that you're going to pray. You wait, you start settling your affairs, and you go wink wudu and you pray so that you could enter it, you could transition from dunya to deen, in a sense, or from thinking about the dunya, thinking about Allah. Likewise, old masajid, they had a concept of this, where you, they, old masajid always had a courtyard, didn't they? There was a reason for that. In the courtyard, your thoughts settle. That, lo- that long walk through the courtyard of the masjid, your thoughts settle. By the time you arrive to the covered area of the mosque and you're in the masjid, the transition happens psychologically and spiritually. So likewise, we need these transitions. When you want to sit down for the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you want it to be fruitful, don't hurt yourself by just turning the lights on, right? Like you don't do this in the morning, just turn the lights on. No, usually people turn like a closet light on where it's half closed, right? And then I could see, but I'm not hurting. I'm not in pain my eyes aren't hurting and then slowly we get to be able to turn the lights on so likewise uh if you want spirituality to to develop iman to develop then sitting alone for ibadah is the is the path no different than the fact that uh you can't you want um uh uh, physical fitness it's going to be the treadmill right but you don't just go on and put it on five right away no you got to stretch first okay you put your clothes on you put your sneakers on you stretch then you walk a little bit okay then you incline walk a little bit now your heart's moving a little bit now you're healthy enough to now turn it on and that period you have to adapt to it's is warm up and cool down spirituality has no difference warm up and cool down One of the wisdoms of Sunnah, the nafila before Salah, it's to adjust your mind, right? So you don't just jump into a fard. You have a nafila, right? Let's go to the next question. We'd love to hear more in depth in your time in Tareem. Well, uh, we should bring um, some of the others who spent longer than me there, inshallah. But it was a very impactful for me personally. Who are some of the prominent ulama sham Okay. Um, you know who's going to know this? Mahdi Lak, I believe. He's in touch with them. Ulama sham Because... A lot of them are in Turkey, yeah. Because many of the the... the, the Big scholars that were studying that my friends studied with, they have passed away. Yeah. Among them, Sheikh Rajab al he passed away. 
Sheikh Adib Kallas, I think, passed away. I'm not sure. Yeah. Sheikh Khalid Kharsa, of course, is in Turkey. Turkey. Sheikh Mujir Al Khatib, mm. one of the big ulama. Sheikh, uh, which one? Abdul Aziz Al Khatib. He's Sheikh Al Shadaliya right now. His videos are online. I watch them all the time. Is it true that horses were only used in one ghazwa at the time of the Prophet ﷺ? Which one was it? I don't know about that. I can't tell you. But if I find something, I'll let you know. Are there any narrations specific to how Shaitan himself will be dealt with on Qiyam? Of course, he will be observed by all the creation being put on trial and sentenced and humiliated. That is going to be the worst sentencing for all of all people. And could you imagine how long that trial would be? Iblis has lived for hundreds upon thousands of years. Do you know, can you imagine how long that hisab will be? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says there is not a single Adam's weight of a deed, except that you will see it. Okay. And from the lutf, of that verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you will see it, so that the righteous person would see it, but not be asked about it. And the evil person will see it and be asked about it. Muhammad Shah asked about Alam al-Mithal in the spiritual dimension of Ibn Arabi's theosophy. Yeah. I got to be honest with you, there's a lot in Ibn Arabi's theosophy that it I, it hasn't clicked with me yet. And that's one of them, Adam and Mithad, um, where they hold that it is a real, it is a truth that is non-physical, that has no hiss to it, which I, I don't can't wrap my head around that. And a shay'iya is manut bil hiss, right? It's to, 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 to be a thing it's connected to the concept of having a physical reality. It doesn't mean we have to see it. The angels are in a different realm than us. We can't see them. There may be angels. Of course, there are angels on our right and our left. We don't see them, but they are made of something. So the, the, these eyes don't see everything. Simple as that. Even other physical things. So um, I never really understood that. And I don't feel, for some reason, yeah, it, it, it may bother you know what I'm saying may bother some of the lovers of Ibn Arabi from India or Syria, but it seems that opening that door, it just, I don't know, I feel like it causes actually more confusion for the common person. And they even say it too. They say, no, Ibn Arabi is not for the, the middle of the road intellect. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, because we didn't get something. By the way, you also didn't explain it well. How's that, Right. That's what I say to some of those, my friends who tell me this. Is, oh, Ibn Arabi's not for the... Wait, he's not made for the middle-of-the-road intellects, and he's only made for the high intellects? Then why can't you explain it if your intellect is so high? Explain it to me. In any event. But we always, of course, have great husn al-dhan Ibn Arabi. His, the shiuch of his time affirmed his piety and his taqwa and his wilaya. Is it better to reflect prior to doing dua and dhikr asking Allah for what you desire that your thoughts slash requests are rational your dua simply has to be something that is permitted to seek out as opposed to something that is forbidden 
or something that is not befitting, such as somebody who says, Oh Allah, grant me, let me speak to you as Moses spoke to you. Not befitting. It's not rationally impossible, nor even, there's no sharia on that. It's not befitting. Uh, give me a monarchy this, like Suleiman's. Not befitting, unless you just mean it allegorically. Um, let me have a baby without a husband. Not befitting, right? Is it rationally possible? Of course, Allah can create that in anybody. It's not befitting, though. But we, most people, don't ask for these things. They ask for regular things. Give me a beautiful spouse. Give me a, a good husband. Give me a... You want to get a beautiful spouse? Give me a, uh, a good job. Things like that. You know, give me taqwa. Let me do hifz of Quran. So on and so forth. Do you want me to move this? Talib Razi. Can it be said that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam may also be informed about the dua between salawat and may choose to make the dua along with us to Allah for it, thereby increasing chances of qabul. Allahu alam. Allahu alam. I, not, not that I know, but Allahu alam. Anything is, we do know that the Prophet wasallam has shown the deeds of the ummah and he, he thanks Allah for it, for their good deeds. And we know that whoever thanks Allah if you're grateful, we increase you. So the Prophet is giving shukr to Allah for these deeds so that we would be increased in them. And if we see our bad deeds, other than that, then he's... Uh, if I see other than that, I seek forgiveness for you. So the Prophet is in dua for his ummah. And there is a debate on whether it's in general or by afrat, individually. And many said it is individually. Do you pay zakah on jewelry? No, not in the Madiki school. If if you if it is jewelry that can be worn, it's not treated as currency. No zakah upon it, even if you don't wear it. Okay, so many many women have chests in our culture, chests of gold, right? Different jewelry necklaces bracelets earrings so on and so forth and they may not wear it for a while doesn't matter nozika am i being hypocritical if i make toba while my heart doesn't feel fully in line with making toba you make toba with your body your heart will follow keep doing the deeds with your body your heart will follow give money out allah judges you by your actions not your emotional states okay give money and Pray that Allah follows, makes your heart follow with that. May Allah, may Allah guide our hearts. Okay. What does Allah say? Okay. Hold on. Uno segundo. Where's the Mus'haf? Where's the Mus'haf here? Someone open to Surah Taghabun. Ah, it's right here. Let me read you a beautiful ayah. Surah Al-Taghabun, which is right after Surah Al-Talaq. Hmm. Look at how beautiful this ayah is. Okay. No musibah comes down upon a person except by the permission of Allah. What is the worst musibah? 
committing sins. Committing sins. It's a musibah. It happened, right? And it's within, it, it's not something that's out of Allah's control. It happens to test for us. Whoever truly has iman, Allah guides his heart. So what you want to do then, I have iman. Okay, prove you have iman. I believe it. Prove it. My heart isn't there, but I believe it. Prove it. How? Give sadaqah. Give sadaqah. Right? Why? Because as-sadaqatu burhan, the Prophet said, sadaqah is the proof. What is the actual proof of what you believe? It's where you put your money. Put your money where your mouth is. My heart isn't there. No problem if your heart's not there. That's your. That's some sins or some other reason that the, that your heart's blocked up. But if you truly believe, prove it with your actions. Okay? Give money. And then Allah will unlock all of the gunk that's blocking the heart. All of that will go away. And then the heart will move. You don't act waiting on the heart. You act based upon this. I know that I have to make tawbah. My heart doesn't feel it. Well, I'm going to prove it with my actions. Whoever believes in Allah with its, all of its conditions, meaning action. You complete that belief with action. Then Allah guides your hearts. Okay? Now, how do I believe in Allah? Right? Allah gives a tafsir of the Quran in the next verse. What does it mean? Obey Allah and obey his messenger. And obey here is mentioned twice. Why? Because the messenger get, brings what is different from what's in the Quran. The Prophet brings something in addition to what the Quran brought. The Prophet said, I was given the Quran and something like it with it. For example, Sunan, Tahajjud, is it mentioned in the Quran? Many things are not mentioned in the Quran. Okay. Yes, Salah in the night, is it Tahajjud or is it Fajr? Yes, Tahajjud, actually, we can't say it's not mentioned in the Quran. It's mentioned in the Quran. But the the virtues of it, okay, the nearness of Allah in Tahajjud, that's from the Prophet told us about this. Many things in the Sunnah are not found in the Quran. So the Sunnah, it adds, fills in details of the Quran. So that's why he says obey twice. And on top of that, the Prophet has forbid things from himself, not forbidden in the Quran. Where's the prohibition of gold for men in the Quran? Where's the prohibition of silk for men in the Quran? Where is the obligation of zakat al-fitr in the Quran? It's all from the Prophet, peace be upon him. So that's how we show our, how we reflect our iman. Allah says, whoever believes in Allah, Allah guides his heart. How do I show my belief now? Okay? Obey Allah and obey his messenger. If you, if you don't want to, all our Prophet has to do is clarify the message. That's it. I can't force you. Okay? So, that's, the, that's your answer for the person who says that I want to make tawbah, but my heart's not there. I believe in Allah, but my heart's not there. Give sadaqah. Or do any deed for others mainly, especially with your wealth. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, As-sadaqatu burhan. Was-sadaqatu tutfi'u ghadab ar-Rahman. Or ghadab ar-Rabb. Sadaqah puts out the... Sadaqah is a proof. It's a proof of your claim. And sadaqah is a... Uh, uh, it puts out the fire. The anger, sorry, of the Lord. You committed sins, next morning give sadaqah. How do I read Dalailul Khairat? However many minutes you have in the day, 
that you can say on your most busiest day, on your busiest day, how many minutes do you have? Let's uh, take a young man here like Islam, which you shouldn't be too busy because you still don't have a job yet, right? Didn't get married yet. Don't have kids yet. Okay. Don't take care of your parents yet. I, you know, I just wonder how does anyone claim to be busy? As you grow older, you realize like when a youth tells you he's busy, it's like laughable. What the heck you mean you're busy? You don't pay a single bill. You don't have a single child. You don't have a spouse. What do you mean busy? But people are busy. But let's say when you're busiest day, how many minutes do you still can you still afford? Every on your most busy day. An hour? Subhanallah, mashallah. That's that's huge. How about you? Yeah. Mashallah. See, this is where the Prophet said that youth, they have health and they have time. Right? It's amazing to think about that. Right? Like, you, if you look at me and my peers right now, if someone says something like an hour, that's heaven. An hour of nothing to do? You must be in heaven, right? <laughs> All right, so, um, but let's say that's going to change, though. As soon as you get a job, cut it in half. My sheikh uh, in, in, in London... He, he told us like this. He said, you youth, look at how much time you have and look at how much ibadah you do and know that this is what's going to happen in your life. Accept it. It's fine. It's okay. He says, soon as you get a job, cut it in half. As soon as you get married, cut that in half. As soon as you have kids, cut that in half. And that's what's going to remain for the rest of your life until these three, four things go away. Three of the four things will go away. The job, eventually you're not going to work, right? Or your work becomes... Light in your 60s, 70s, you retire. Some of you retired. Your kids are going to grow up and leave, right? And your wife is not going to need as much from you in the future because there's kids, there's grandkids, right? The wife is less needy of the husband. Attention. Some people, some wives really like their husbands, right? Sometimes you see it and like, mashallah, some wives are like obsessed with their husbands, right? So that's the ex this exceptional case. But, uh, but then you're going to get your time back and you're going to, your body will not be as clouded by desires of the world anymore. Like your mind and your heart won't be clouded. A 70-year-old is not interested in going to develop life and see what the world is all about, blah, blah, blah. That's all gone, right? That's all gone. Uh, also, the shahawat that obstructs you from ibadah will, be, will go down. The desires. Curiosity about the world, desire for money, shahawat, they all go down. Okay. And so you're going to be able to double your original, your ibadah of your youth, you'll double it. So it's a graph that goes like, let's say like starts here goes down and then plateaus for a long period of time and then actually climbs up and is even greater. And that ibadah is greater for other reasons because someone who does a, uh, does a lot of ibadah and fulfills responsibilities in the community it's better. And that's why the Prophet always praised the ibadah of Prophet Dawood. Because Sayyidina Dawood was a king. He made weaponry. He had a massive family, right? And he was a judge. And he did all that. And he did a, a lot of ibadah. And that is why the Prophet is always talking about Sayyidina Dawood's ibadah. Because um, he did both. And it's far better than the ibadah of somebody who only does ibadah and he doesn't serve the community. Okay.
Let's see here what we got. Bismillah. Is the Prophet made of light of Allah? Of course, the light of Allah is infused in the Prophet or has descended upon the Prophet, peace be upon him, more than anybody else. There's no doubt about that. قَدْ أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ نُورًا وَكِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ قَدْ أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ نُورٌ وَكِتَابٌ مُبِينٍ نُورٌ وَكِتَابٌ مُبِينٍ Okay. Who is the light? A light and a clear book. Right? In other, other verses say, a messenger and a light. Hence, the Quran is light and the Prophet is light. And what did Ibn Abbas says, what is Nur? He said, Nur is guidance but from separating truth from falsehood. Also, Nur is a physical substance. Also, Nur is the result of ihatatul malaika. Okay? So, Nur is something that's been discussed in our books as a substance that Allah brings down. The result of it is sakina. The result of it is a tranquility from anxieties and the ability to see the truth from falsehood. That is what Nur is. Okay? The descent of Nur it makes a person also has a third quality. They lose interest in this lowly world and the short-term shahawats of this world. They, they lose interest in that. Okay. All right. So the sister asked about Dala'ilul Khairat. And I said, find on, the, on your busiest day how much time do you have? Let's say the person says, to be honest with you, five minutes. I said, okay. Every day, put your timer on for five minutes and recite Jalal al Don't go do more than that. So that you're never like this in your dhikr. You're like this. That's what benefits. Not, like, not to be like this, to be like this. Is it okay for someone to make dua to see angels and things from the world of the unseen? There's nothing unlawful about that at all. But sometimes the ulama did discourage the, the love of mukashafat. And other times they accepted it. What's the difference? They said that if it has become something that is distracting the person from what is more prior, what is a higher priority, then it's from the nafs. But if it's something serious, does, does not distract you from what is a higher priority in the sharia, then it's acceptable. And they cite from that, Sayyidah Aisha seeking mukashifa by saying, Allahumma arini ru'ya saliha sadiqa ghir kathiba nafi'a ghir darra. Every night she would sleep and she said, Oh Allah, show me a dream. Allahumma arini ru'ya saliha. It's righteous, meaning that it is a sign of piety for the person because uh, a true dream does not necessarily mean that you're pious. Pharaoh had a true dream, right? The king of Egypt had a true dream in the time of Yusuf. It's not for their piety that they had the true dream. So a dream that is a result of piety. Ru'ya saliha, sadiqa, a true dream. So dream being true and a dream being a result of piety are two different things. Just an emphasis on being true. No lies in it. It benefits me. And that's not harms me. That was a dream of Sayyidah, uh, a dua of Sayyidah Aisha, and you could read it in the different books of Hadith. She used to say that. 
So it's Talib and Mukashifa, right? If it's something that is, it is not detracting a person from the priorities of the religion and making them goofy, then we fully accept it. But if it is something where somebody's only chasing those things and it's to the detriment or to the ignoring of uh, other things that are more uh, deserving of our attention, then we say that that's from the nafs. Shahwat al-Nafs and Ibn Ata'illah al-Skandari, he has hikam on that. Can I invest in the stock market? Yes, share market. I guess he means by that stock market. Yes, if the company is halal. If the, if the general business of that company is, val, is, is valid, is a valid and permitted uh, service or good, then you may. Pro West says, is it wrong to find it irksome when liberal Muslims say, inshallah, alhamdulillah, etc., in a respect of distasteful things they do, like spreading fitna of immodesty in movies? So the answer is yes, and it, it is a, um, it is a uh, sin to make mention of Allah Ta'ala to do sins. Right? MashaAllah, the... Uh, you know, you, you dance with that woman so nicely. Sinful, of course, right? MashaAllah, the wedding was so beautiful. It had like 50,000 munkars in it. Of course, sinful, right? Um, Tahir Omar's question um, on... He said, I didn't read the question properly. Does one pay zakat on jewelry that is not returned on purpose? I don't understand what you mean by not returned on purpose. That means you bought it from the jeweler and you did not return it. It means you kept it. No zakat. Okay. Okay, next question. Sending Salah on the Prophet by Abdullah Husseini is an excellent book. Lily Rose says, on jewelry, does that mean even if it's a lot of jewelry, regardless of nisab, zakat isn't necessary? Correct. Okay, correct. Check the Hanafis for their method. I'm not sure. Check, I'm pretty sure the Shafi'i are similar to the Madikis in this. Hanafis do pay jewelry, zakat on jewelry. So, is everyone going to see all the deeds of humans? No. No. Some people whom Allah blesses and, and, and he blessed them with sitr. Who are these people? Those people whom Allah has hid their sins in this life it is a hallmark or a foreshadowing that he will likewise hide their sins in the next life. Okay? He doesn't... That's one of the signs. Allahumma sur awratina wa amrawatina. So that... On the day of judgment, we may be forgiven altogether, or we may be asked in private. Hisab and Yasira, a light Hisab. What is the best European country for Muslims? I am an Indian Muslim. Well, it's definitely going to be this, the, the, these northern cities of England, and if you can get involved in those communities, if you ask me. Is it true that we say our souls are made of Ruhullah? No. Okay. No part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the, the human being and Allah does not have parts 
is not composed of parts and is not composed of any jism. And the ruh is a jism. The ruh is a physical entity. It may be very subtle, but it is. It, ha- it, has, it is composed of something. And so the ruhullah means the soul that Allah has attributed to himself out of honor. Nisbet al-tashrif. Okay? Not nisbet al-ba'd. Or it's not like a tab'id. It's not tab'id. It's not his part of his ruh. It's right. No, it is. He has attributed it to himself. It is his creation which he attributed to himself. When Allah attributes something to himself, he's honoring it. Because Allah created everything, right? So what is the point of saying his soul? The soul that he created. All right. It is showing you that this is honorable. For example, Allah says he created the heavens and the earth. These are massive, noble creations, right? So when Allah Ta'ala attributes something to himself, it is an indicator of its noble stature and its importance. It's extremely important, okay? So it is not a part of Allah that is in somebody, and I have seen people make that mistake, even a hafiz of Qur'an, one time he he was sitting with some brothers at a dinner. I almost choked on my food. And he said, means Allah blew part of himself into the Adam. And hence there is a little bit of Allah inside all of us. I'm about to execute you. Right? <laughs> there cannot be kufr worse than that. Okay? All right? Tajseem. We went... Tajseem is here. He went way past that. Okay. We went into pantheism at this point. Okay. So, no, we don't say that at all. How do I answer an agnostic, says Abdul Mu'id, who says that it is unfair that a person who dies before puberty is guaranteed Jannah, but others have to pass through trials of life, die in Iman, and make it their. Uh, what is the concept of fairness? Fairness in Islam, listen very closely, is anyone who does wrong to you, you're going to get your rights back in this life or the next. Any good deed that you do, you'll get your reward for it. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to be more generous to somebody than somebody else, that is not injustice. Allah wants to give someone a free pass to go to Jannah without having done anything. Well, they also didn't get a chance to live. So, right? You don't want to die when you're young, do you? You want to live. So he had to suffer that tribulation of dying at, at youth or before bulugh, before puberty. Okay? So as a result of that, uh, he gets Jannah. And what if Allah Ta'ala wanted to just create another creation altogether and put them into the same Jannah that we have without having ever done anything? He can do that. Because generosity does not affect the scales of justice. That's what you have to understand. Injustice would be that your bad deeds towards other people are, don't go, re, go without redress. And your good deeds don't get rewarded. That it would be what in, on, on Allah's scale of what he called justice. Remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inni haramtu dhulm ala nafsi. I have forbid myself from doing dhulm. 
It's not that there is a scale of justice out there in the world that Allah has to uh, abide by. He doesn't have to abide by any. He is the creator of all things. There is no scale of justice somewhere in the universe that Allah has to abide by. That's why he didn't say, He didn't say, oppression is wrong for me. He said, I have made oppression uh, uh, haram, something that he will not do. He's basically saying, I will not do oppression, which means nobody who gets abused by another person or animal or anything will go without redress. And, and forget animal, you can't be abused by an animal. If a fox or a raccoon bites you, you're not, uh, there was no zulm there, there's no oppression there, okay? If, huh? Mr. Bad Day. Yeah, that's just you, luck of the draw. Bad day, right? Um, of course, there's no luck. Everything's maktub. Uh, but luck, luck. actually, if we were to give a shara'i definition to the word luck, we would link it to the word hav. And hav is something that you get, you get without having worked for it. Okay, that's hav. Hav. Something that you earned, uh, th that you got, you received in this world without having worked for it. If I give you uh, some food, that's your hav. You didn't work for it, right? You, I just gave it to you. So um, justice, again, to repeat, is that no oppression between people goes without redress and no one does anything good without compensation, either in this life or the next. Okay, so that's how we answered that question. It's a side point, but like, uh, you know, including myself, I think a lot of the law, when they study, they see like uh, the Mu'tazila and all these things being brought up and they're like, why is this valid to me, right? Yeah. These guys have passed on and stuff. But then when you look at a lot of these questions, like the question that was just asked about the agnostic, yep. like these are things that the Mu'tazila, for example, brought up a long time ago. Yeah. Right? Like the example, like how they used to say that Allah is obliged to do certain things. Yeah. So really, like you get to a certain point where like all this stuff, it really is relevant. It is relevant. And it's it, it gets you to the point of thinking that human beings are pretty much the same. It's like a cycle. It's a cycle. It's the same. Like we, we, we have different technology. We live differently. We eat differently. We dress differently. We live differently. But the essence of the human being, our curiosity tends to be the same, right? But what they asked a thousand and some years ago, we people are still asking today, right? The like human curiosity miracles. leads the same way. What'd you say? Like rejecting miracles and stuff like yeah. that. This is not something new. Not something like new. You go back in time and you'll see that this was already addressed. Yeah. Like, crazy. Unlike uh, the evolutionary theory of uh, or view of humans, I actually believe that if you were to transport people, two people, one person from this era and a person from across the world from a thousand years ago, I think only the outward things will be different. But the essence of what a human being is, is the same. The curiosities, the likes, the dislikes, the desires. In other words, generally human beings like comfort. Generally human beings like sweet food. Generally human beings would like companionship, right? These basic, generally human beings want meaning, want to be useful, want to be part of a group. These, these are the core and the essence. Plan C says, hold up. There are a lot of youth are more busy than a lot of adults. Yeah, that's probably true. But in the general, in general, your middle-class youth is probably not as busy as a middle-class adult, but I'm sure there are exceptions. Okay. Um, what if someone commits crimes before bulugh? In the sight of Allah Ta'ala, they're not considered crimes. Like, n you are not judged for anything. If you never received the message, if you never received the message, you lived your whole life, you never received a message about any prophet. You know how many people 
in the heart of India, in the villages, I mean, may have never met a Muslim, never received the message of Islam. What does our, uh, the Ash'ari Yaqeedah say about that? There is discussion, but the strongest, there is discussion, but within the Ash'ari they have ar- arrived at a conclusion that the strongest statement is that is based upon, there are many supports. I can read you to them. I can We can, I can translate them in an article. But, Ultimately, it is وَمَا كُنَّ مُعَذِّبِينَ حَتَّى نَبَعْثَ رَسُولًا and many other ayat showing that they are not treated as kafirs in the akhirah, although they are kafir, they are mulhaq bil kuffar in this life. They are uh, categorized with the kafirs in this life, but they are not kafirs in the next life, and they're forgiven and enter jannah. Could you do a live stream on the idea of a Muslim bucket list? Okay. All right. Yeah, that's nice. You know what? My what's on my bucket list is to do a um, a bus tour. Right. Like it'll be like maybe one or two year. Let's say, I don't know. It seems exhausting, but a bus tour. Right, Masajid in America, right, and we'd have like we're coming to this city and it'll be arranged. We'll have a majlis in that city in the masjid, not halls, not hotel in the masjid, right, like that, and then keep going around like that uh, all the way till we get to California, then go all the way up the west coast, then go all the way across north, right, zigzag. From south to central, zigzag, then go up, then zigzag back so that you hit central and you hit north, right? And then have, you know, some some tech geeks streaming the whole thing and communicating with the next coming community with a map, like a, a, like a website that's like a map, right? Showing where we were so that we could, you end up meeting a whole, a lot of the community of, of Muslims. And only home-cooked food. We're going to go some. You can get sick eating out so much. Only home cooked food. Okay. And uh, meeting people staying in like old, old style homes, right? Staying in people's homes or hotels, maybe. But you, you got to monitor your, your health in these tours. And there has to be long stops because you get really tired, exhausting from that. But that's one of my things that I would love to do. Be part of bring tents, huh? Tents. Yeah, bring. Oh, that's a great idea. Get tents, and I've seen this one time. One time we last summer we took a a, uh, a camping trip, and we saw a group of about five guys coming in, working like they were part of a company, and they ended up putting up a tent, mosquito thingies. One guy was working on the fire. One person was preparing the food, and they spent the night. From basically, they were working from Asr to Maghrib, working, just working. But everyone knew what they were doing, right? One putting up a tent, one getting wood, one making a fire, one getting food, etc. Okay, and it was like a little city was put up within two hours. By nine in the morning, they were gone. So it was like it looked like it was a traveling group, but they had uh, they were they were so good at this that they were put together tents. So we would stay at these. Um, 
problem is with with those campsites is that they're so far off. Plan C says if you're working nine to five and you're not married, you're free from five to the next nine. <laughs> it's so true because that's one of the things that going home, it goes from completely relaxing to active, to even more active than work. Like there's more stuff to be done at home the more dependence you have. Can prophets and Odia be here people without need of any medium what is necessity of tawassul through prophets when Allah can hear oh what is the necessity of tawassul through prophets if you can make dua directly when you make dua you're offering something don't you you're making an offering ya rahman isn't that an offering in a sense, I'm offering a deed. I'm putting up a deed. Okay? I praise Allah. Why do you praise Allah and take salah on the Prophet and make istighfar? In hope that Allah will love this act and answer your prayer. Right? So you have to do something. You have to take action. At tawassul is essentially the action of loving a righteous person. And Allah loves for us to love the righteous. So I'm saying basically, when someone says, by the rights of Abdul Qadir al-Jailani. He's essentially saying, Oh Allah, you love Abdul Qadir. I also love him. For that, re this deed, I'm offering this deed. That I love these awliya. I love the Sahaba. I love Sayyidina Fatima. I love Sayyidina Ali. I love the, uh, the, the so-and-so, whatever. That is essentially how Sayyid Muhammad ibn Ali ibn Maliki writes about it in his famous book, Mafahim Yajib Antu Sahah. Do you know what or how Imam in Nawi worked? Yes, he was extremely efficient because he was number one, of course, blessed by Allah beyond measure, but also he never married or had kids. What age is recommended for marriage for males and females in your for males in your opinion? When you're a senior, you should be a senior in college, you should be trying to get engaged. And shortly after college you get married. You got to do it quick before the window starts to close. Some people say, oh, there's so many options. Your window's closing soon. Are there supplications and methods to ask Allah to bring angels to our aid? Yes, you can say simply what the Prophet said. Yeah, You speak directly to the angels around you. Oh, slaves of Allah, help me. Simple as that. Uh, buying homes? Well, I'm just going to go by the external things. Um, the external of the contract when you buy homes and buy a home that is on a murabaha contract that seems to be, that is what's offered by guidance and university financial. Tahira Omar finally clarifies for us. I finally see the clarification. She said it a while ago. She means by that family member took my jewelry and they haven't returned the jewelry. That's what she meant by not returned. She meant by that that a family member took it and hasn't returned it. The answer is that you do not. Well, first, we already answered that you don't pay zakat al Let's say it's your money. I lent out a thousand bucks or 
my cousin came, took a thousand bucks. I said, by the way, I, I needed some money. I took a thousand bucks from the drawer. It's not my thousand bucks anymore. It's in debt. Knows a cat on it until it comes back to me. Okay. And then it has to wait a year again. Can you design wedding invitations to mix gatherings? You don't have to ask what happens as a designer of a wedding invitation, such that if a person says you come and design me a wedding um, invitation, you don't have to ask what you're going to do unless they say, I want you to put Khan, Abdus Sabur, marriage. Okay. Please. We honor us with attendance to this mixed wedding gathering that will have music, fake champagne, and other munkars. <laughs> it's never going to happen, right? Even worse if it's two guys. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So you don't have to ask. And you can make the wedding invitation. Unless it's obvious, right? When they say put two champagne glasses or something like that. If the Tehajjud dot runs into Fajr time, would it still be considered the last third of the night? Yes, it's the last third of the night. Maghrib to Fajr is the night. So do the math. Subtract that from Fajr. All of that last is the last third of the night. What are the rights of the non-Muslim neighbor? That's a good question. The rights uh, of the non-Muslim neighbor is that they live in peace. You don't make noise. You don't bother them. You don't block their driveway. You don't um, ruin the mood of the... Uh, uh, street that you live on You don't abuse them You don't steal their property All that stuff You don't peer into their home Okay You don't talk too much in the street You know sometimes that's one of the worst things It's one of the worst things You go out there to take the garbage out And lo and behold The neighbor is taking the garbage out And you know The moment you make eye contact It's 25 minutes The moment you make eye contact He's going to talk for 25 minutes That's one of the things that a way to lose friends you know there's a book how to make friends and win over people there's also there should be a book on how to lose friends and make people hate you okay can we make to offer the whole ummah to be granted jannah without taking it into account yes you may do that you may do that because those 70,000 that, that will enter Jannah without Hisab, are, they have this, a specific space, a specific place, and a specific escort into Jannah. But martyrs, for example, are not from them, and they're not taken, uh, given Hisab. So yes, you may make that to us. How connected are the souls in this life? We favor some people... Over others, says Melody 21. It is said, and Allah knows best, but there is a narration that says, Souls were organized and classified where in the pre-earthly existence. The arwah, remember, arwah are things. They're physical things. And they were categorized. They were placed. And there was a location for them. Okay. And so this hadith says, when you come into this world, if you get along with someone, okay, 
you were with them, you were categorized with them. You were in the same section with them. So when you come here and you see that person, you, you get along quickly. And if you weren't, then you find yourself, we don't get along. We just want, we want to be separate from one another. Okay. Can those in the grave pray for the living? Allah knows best. When do the angels stop writing in our scrolls? When we die? Allah's. At death. There's no hisab after death. Okay. Final questions. Let's go to the... Um, Mina AG is asking, what if someone did not believe in Allah and never received the message? Yes, they're included. They're included. This is the Ash'ari position on it. And other evidences that hold that. That they would not be punished. And when Akhirah, there is no third category. If you're not punished, that means you're in Jannah. Ladies and gentlemen, let us now turn on Wednesday. We make a dua, and today is Wednesday. Okay. Uh, let's turn to the uh, the wirt that we recite. We recite a, a small wirt, and. Um, And then we stop for dua. So let's do that, inshallah ta'ala. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim La ilaha illallah al-Malik al-Haqq al-Mubin 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 لا إله إلا الله الملك الحق المبين 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 بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن فتحنا لك فتح مبين ليغفر لك الله ما تقدم من ذنبك وما تأخر ويتم نعمته عليك ويهديك صراطا مستقيما وينصرك الله نصرا عزيزا وكان عند الله وجيها وجيها في الدنيا والآخرة ومن المقربين وجهت وجهي للذي فطر السماوات والأرض بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتح قريب وبشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كونوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم للحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذه السنة ونانهم لهما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو لا ليناظم 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشا متصديا من خشية الله وتلك الأمتان نضربها للناس لأنهم يتفكرون هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيد نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشفتين حصنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس وأن يحضرون عز جاره وجل ثناؤه وتقدست أسماؤه ولا إله غيره اللهم إني أجعلك في نهر أعدائي وأعوذ بك من شرورهم وتحيلهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم أطفئ نار من أراد بعداوة من الجن والإنس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب ما أعظم شأنك وعز سلطانك تعصنت بالله وبأسماء الله وبآيات الله وملائكة الله وأنبياء الله ورسل الله والصالحين من عباد الله حصنت نفسي بلا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم احرسني بعينك التي لا تنام اكنفني بكنفك الذي لا يرام وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا أهلك وأنت الثقتي ورجائي يا غيات المستغيثين يا غيات المستغيثين يا غيات المستغيثين يا دارك الهالكين يا دارك الهالكين يا دارك الهالكين اكفني شرك لطارق يطرق بليلنا ونهارنا طارق يطرق بخير إنك على كل شيء قدير بسم الله أرقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس أذف الباس إيش في أنت الشافي وعافي أنت المعافي لا شفاء لا شفاء وشفاء لا يغادر سقما ولا ألاما يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجيد ارفعني كل تعب شديد واكفني من الحدي والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد واجعلني نورا من نورك وعز من عزك ونصرا من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييد من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شرك الذي شار إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهرا وباطنا وعلى كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين بسم الله إن شاء الله we'll take five minutes for dua
صلى الله وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Thank you.